Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Love Fruit podcast. And I'm joined by my friend Kuba, whose full name is Jakub Misiek. And you can follow him on Instagram under his name, at Jakub Misiek, which is, uh, or Misiek, which is J-A-K-U-B-M-I-S-I-E-K. Follow him on Instagram, Sustainable Kuba on YouTube, because he has a background, a master's in sustainable development. He's a detoxification specialist. He's been someone that I've spent time with at the Woodstock Festival many times, the Canada Fruit Festival as well. And he is uh, also a very talented freestyle rapper. Uh, so a lot of fun to be around. Really cool guy. Gets the party started. Um, <laughs> lots of good energy. Uh, that's Kuba. And Kuba, you are in Spain at the moment. But how about, is there anything else you want to say? Just an introduction, anything I've missed out? Oh, I think you did really well. I like, I think you introduced me pretty cool. Uh, thank you. I think uh, the energy, you said that I have a good energy. I think it's because I have a calm energy. Right. So it's like a welcoming energy. It's not like I'm crazy energetic, you know? Well, I just always felt like you were the guy that just did what you, you would just uh, be dancing, having fun, doing what you liked, you know? Uh, you've just seemed so confident and so comfortable with yourself. I think that's the other thing. You seem really comfortable with yourself and, and that's uh, really welcoming to people as well. Mm, and I think that's really a fruit festival thing. I just feel so safe and welcomed and like in my, in my family, you know, in my tribe, my community. Yeah, we should I talk about... did not grow up like that. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about that a little bit. Uh, but I would say that maybe I, I, I'd like to find out more about your background, especially because you've obviously moved towards a different diet, a different lifestyle, different way of thinking. But how were you brought up? Were you brought up in a conventional diet, conventional background? And, you know, where are you from and everything else? Yeah, so I'm from Poland originally. That's where I was born. But I was a baby by the time we got to Toronto, Canada. But I grew up in a Polish household. So Toronto is very multicultural. But my house was like Poland in the house. You know, we went to Polish school, Polish scouts. We would go camping to a Polish place. So sometimes we spent all summer amongst um, Polish people. So in our house, we had a conventional Polish diet. So lots of meat and lots of potatoes, but also lots of dairy and um, lots of um, fried stuff and heavy oils. And then we had lots of salads, which is really cool. And the potatoes are not so bad, but the salads, lots of times we put either sugar or lots of oil or dairy in it. But it was not the worst thing. It was just more like all the dairy that we had. Like I drank milk a lot. I love milk. Mm. So I would eat a lot of cereal because we're in Canada. So it's like American standard stuff meshed in our house as well. You know, like we were kids. We're asking to buy the cookies and the snacks in the grocery store when we're shopping with our parents. So I had like a lot of the Polish stuff, but also the American stuff. And I loved eating cereal. I loved drinking milk. And actually, interestingly, from since I was 13, my sinuses have, have been plugged. Like, I remember I got sick. I had like a really bad cough. It wasn't bronchitis, but it was some sort of bronchitis something, some sort of title like that. And then once I got better from the cough, it's like the cold stayed. And I was like, oh, it's been a week. I still have my cold. Two weeks, I still have a cold. It just stayed since then, my whole life. So even till today, I've been doing detox and all this stuff. I still feel like the sinus area plugged. So I think all the dairy and the bread, we ate so much bread. So we'd have bread for breakfast, um, bread in the evening before bed. And then we'd take sandwiches to school, which is like bread and cheese. Um, for some reason, I, I remember in college and university, my friend had like a sandwich with like uh, lettuce and maybe some tomato and stuff. I was like, oh, wow, your, your sandwich is like, has a lot of stuff in it. It's not just bread and cheese and butter, you know? <laughs> So I think my diet was really dehydrating, but my parents didn't really know. We didn't really know um, what a healthy diet was. But then in my late teens and my early 20s, I started actually like um, learning about vegetarianism and started getting a little more health conscious because I was a cross country runner. So I was pretty fast and I was really passionate about running. And I just, I would learn tidbits of things from people that would stick out and would like click for me in my mind and it would stay with me. When I learn something that makes sense, it just stays with me. So like someone said that in India, there's so many vegetarians, like most of the population is vegetarian. And I was like thinking that's possible. Well, 
I can't think if it's possible or not. It's a fact. That's what's happening. That's what someone says. So I was just like, that means it's possible. So why don't we talk about that in America? Um, in geography class, I learned about the, how the energy works on the planet and how the energy comes from the sun. And the plants would get the most energy from the sun. So like, I don't know how many megajoules, but they're getting, they're, they're getting sunlight. They're eating it through photosynthesis directly. Whereas the animals that eat the plants get like a lower version of that energy, but it's the highest you can get in terms of food, you know, unless you're eating the sun like plants, but plants do the photosynthesis thing. We eat the plant or the cows will eat the grass, for example. And then the humans who eat the cow will get a fraction of that energy because it gets lower every time it converts from one being to another. So if you, the plants I learned have the highest energy and that just made so much sense for me. So that just kind of reinforced my desire to be vegetarian. And I would always try to be vegetarian and I would do like months of vegetarian and then, and then I would eat meat and then, or like I would not want to waste food and I would eat meat or I would be given meat and I would eat whatever I was given. So I would always try to be vegetarian and like my own choices would be vegetarian. And I always considered fish a plant. <laughs> I would call myself vegetarian, but still eat fish. And, and then I had some experiences like um, we were camping and the neighboring, the neighbors from the cabin next door were like, oh, we caught some fresh fish. Would you guys like some fresh fish? And I was the first one to be like, yeah, I want fresh fish. And he's like, all right, here you go. Come with me. And he, he puts a bowl out with the fish swimming in the water of the bowl. He's like, yeah, all you got to do is grab a rock and just smash his head and then you can cook it up for dinner. And I was just like, I'm supposed to kill this fish. Like I fished before I've caught fish and like released them or given them to someone, but I've never killed a fish. And I'm just like, I can't do it. I like, I don't want this fish anymore. And my brother was vegetarian already. And he told me like, see, like that's not really vegetarian. And then I had another experience. I was a little older um, and I was living in Quebec, the French part of speaking part of Canada. Mm. And I was with a host family. So this woman, this elderly woman would, um, cook for some students where there's four of us living in her house and at the time I was living with just girls and I was the only like man of the house so I would do like the dirty work and she's like we're the lady was like we're having dinner tonight and I need your help because we're gonna have lobster I need you to take the lobster and put it in the boiling water the lobster was alive mind you and she's like she can't do it herself but the man can do it right it's a man's job to make this animal suffer to death and then eat it and I was like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. And then my roommate, my roommate, this was when like one of those times I forgot about the vegetarian because I would do it here and there. Like I said, she's like, if you're not eating the lobster, then you shouldn't eat any animal. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And then um, that night I came home for dinner and I forgot about this and I see lobster and like I put the like a claw on my plate and like just crack it, crack it open. And I was just like, trying to and it's so hard to crack and it felt so unnatural and i was just like i can't i can't eat this and i didn't yeah. eat it and then i just went vegetarian again for like a few months <laughs> and i was like my, my friend was right if i can't eat one animal why should i eat another they're all yeah. suffering yeah but i just i couldn't do it so so in me i had the like you know a lot of people are vegan for the animals which i'm not but i say i'm vegetarian for the animals because that's when my vegetarian thing would start you know like i don't have it in me to kill an animal yeah but then the vegan thing came a little bit later. So, um, so if we fast forward from those times, it was when my dad got sick with stomach and esophagus cancer. This is, I was already in university becoming the eco-advisor. And I had to come home from Quebec um, to Toronto because my dad was sick. And he had four, stage four stomach cancer by the time they found out. Like he was having pains and all this stuff. And my sister just kind of coincidentally gave me this book about uh, this lady who had 12 tumors and she healed herself by changing her diet to a plant-based diet and the doctors told her she had so, so much time to live she was going to die and she changed her life and i read this book it's called the crazy sexy diet by chris carr the full title is actually the crazy sexy um, eat your greens ignite your spark and live like you mean it diet and it's kind of like geared towards the woman but like you know it's universal anyone can read it and I'm, I'm reading this book while I'm seeing my dad suffering in the hospital. So I'm just like, 
we obviously have no idea what's happening with our bodies. We have, we don't, we don't understand the connection that food has in our body because my dad's just there helpless. He doesn't know why he got cancer, why he got sick. Like no idea. Right. And the doctors, no one said it's food related. And then I'm at the hospital. I'm like, they're feeding him this, this tube and the product, the product that they're feeding him is Nestle. And I'm (laughs) like, this is a junk food company. Like, how is it hospital food? Yeah. Just like, you can't fool me like i'm i'm not that dumb like that doesn't make sense to me and i'm reading this book and she's explaining an alkaline diet versus an acidic diet she's saying how meat and dairy is very acidic whereas plants are alkaline and then she she talked about um, veganism of course and i started implementing what she was recommending and it wasn't just eating fruits and vegetables it was doing more smoothies juices salads but also like Instead of eating regular potatoes, eating sweet potatoes. Instead of eating regular rice, eating brown rice, things like this. And I just started implementing it and more and more and just cutting out more and more of the animal food. So I'd cut out um, most meats, uh, fish would still remain. And then I cut out most dairy, uh, cheese maybe remained a while or maybe milk. But then, uh, yeah, so my dad passed away within two months or just over two months. Uh, we went to Poland to bury his ashes. And in Poland, I'm like, I know about this. Actually, it was pretty quick. I'm, I'm educating myself and I'm getting really into it, watching YouTube. And it was quick that I came into raw foods, like really quickly after, within a couple yeah. of months. And I saw it was Kevin Cosmo. You probably know him. Yeah, yeah, That's, Kevin. Yeah. He works with Graham a lot. Yeah, it was his story that made me first consider raw foods because he talked about his transformation from being tired and sick no energy to like hiking a mountain in Peru or something. And he's, he's just so strong. And I was attracted to him because of his dreadlocks. And I was really into Rasta culture. So I was like, is this guy Rasta? (laughs) I saw saw his story on a short YouTube video. And at the end, he was like swinging from a vine or something, you know, like just showing how strong he is. And he goes, he ends the video, literally at the end of the video, he goes, fruits and vegetables. And I was just like, fruits and vegetables whoa makes so much sense like <laughs> fruits and vegetables they always tell us to eat more fruits and vegetables growing up that it's healthy right yeah so it made so much sense and then that's when i started learning about the raw foods got into dr doug graham 80 10 10 videos fully raw christina and then a few people like um what's that couple yulia and paul tarbath yeah 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 i got into them and then from them i got into ted carr and then i just kept learning watching and then finally, when I went back to Quebec, because I basically lost a year of my studies with my whole dad passing and everything. So I kind of rejoined where I left off a year later. I'm like, all right, I'm back on my own, my own apartment. And I just filled up my house with fruits and veggies and started doing this lifestyle. But it was more like a raw till four kind of thing. So I yeah, kind of did sure. the raw thing all day. I would start with like a smoothie and then eat fruit for lunch. And then in the evening, I would have a salad. Sometimes I kept it just raw. And sometimes, and a lot of times I would have like sweet potato with maybe some carrots or like um, rice and veggies. Yeah, yeah. Veggies and, and um, things like that, like um, high carb, I guess. But with those rice and veggies, I would still have salmon. So salmon was the one thing I still had in that five-week period. But I still went through this amazing transformation because now I'm living off mainly plants and I'm really cleaning my bowels. And I remember doc, Dr. Doug Graham talking about how the poop should look and how it should be just like land in the toilet and just like break up into pieces as opposed to being like solid firm. He's saying the solid firm is actually constipation. And my poop became like that. I got really skinny. I was a little worried. I was like, oh, I see all these bones I've never seen before in my ribs. <laughs> but I'm looking, I'm like, but they're also like coated with muscle, even though I'm skinny, but it's like muscular. So I'm getting toned. I'm like, I've also never seen muscles like that before. And I remember like um, going to train with my team, my running team and not really training much and being like fast, being able to keep up with some of the fast people. I was like, wow, I got like this energy. It was really, it was really cool. I'll play basketball sometimes and feel light. I started doing handstands and getting like lighter and lighter and just more happy about life. So I knew this was like an amazing path, like r- raw food based diet. Awesome. And then I went home for Christmas because this was just before. And then, you know, like Christmas, 
um, back to my old family, back to my family, lots of meat and I kind of like fell off. And it was like a few years of just like trying to be raw up and down when I'm alone. It's so much easier going back to family, friends. It's like the social thing, I guess, is my weakness. The social sure. Thing. Sure. Yeah. And where did you end up finding out about Woodstock Festival and, and going there? All right. So when I first did the raw thing so my dad passed away in 2014 um early in the year and then that summer i was like doing more fruits and vegetables but still eating whatever they gave me in poland while we were in poland so i'd eat the cheesecake with coffee and all that but then when we're not visiting family i would just do smoothies and stuff so that was 2014 and by the end of that year i went to quebec and i did those five weeks and then uh what did you ask me? When did I? When did you find out about Woodstock? Fruit, Woodstock Fruit So yeah, so I went home and then uh, for Christmas and I came, what was it? Oh yeah, I stayed home for that year. So it was 2015. So yeah, I, went, I basically went home for Christmas and came back for another semester, 2015. And I was doing more of the raw foods and it was around May when the school year ended that I saw, I think it was Fully Raw Christina talking about the Woodstock Fruit Festival in August. And I was like, it's May. I had this cool summer job. I can save up and make it by August, 2015 to the Fruit Fest. That's when I learned about it. And that summer, like I had a fun summer and I was, I was working with students and I was partying a lot. And I probably spent too much on beer. I was still drinking alcohol and stuff. And I didn't save enough. And I was so mad at myself that I didn't, I didn't make it to Woodstock. And I did like a solidarity kind of week raw that week. That's probably my first week fully raw. I really wanted to be at the festival. And I was so bummed out. And I was just like, next year, it has to happen. I signed up as soon as possible and started doing like, you know, you can make payments whenever you can. Yeah. Down payment. And then you make payments throughout the year, just making payments whenever I can. And like I made it to 2016. Awesome and, and it's incredible. Yeah, tell me about that experience. So I was still felt like a newbie at that time. Like I met Ted Carr and Elise from what was her channel back then? Raw Alignment, I think. Yeah, Raw Alignment. Yeah. And I was, you know, like a newbie, like a fan, fan kind of vibe. And just like learning so much, just absorbing. And I felt like I just vibed with the high vibe people, meaning the people who had experience for years who are living this lifestyle for years and they know what they're doing and they understand it. And I'm still like learning. Like I felt amazing through that transformation, but I didn't really understand the body. I didn't understand detox and all this stuff. And I also didn't understand how to eat. So I just like connected with certain people that taught me like this one guy, Aaron Schultz, I think he's in Uh Australia. You know about him? I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. He, and then he was close with Robert Lockhart. But from him, I learned a lot. He, he talked about eating light and like how eating light, um, you just, you feel better because your body's not using as much energy. And I f- remember feeling pretty sluggish the next day. That was still like um, when they had a gourmet style salads yeah. and stuff and meals. And then I talked to Aaron one day and then like that day I felt inspired and I just ate figs and um, one other high vibe fruit. That was really amazing. I forget. But let's say it was figs and papaya or something. Yeah. And I had this chili bowl. By the time I was done, I was just like, I couldn't really look at the chili bowl. And I had a bite and I was just like, I felt like it was going to twist my stomach. It was spicy. And I threw it out. I made the conscious decision to throw it out. So I basically just ate fruit that night. And I had way more energy till late night. And I woke up earlier than ever the next day. So I started realizing how much like fruit (laughs) is amazing. As opposed to like all the other plant foods. Awesome. Yeah. And, I just started uh, lear- learning lots at that at that festival. Yeah, and you were talking about becoming a detoxification specialist as well. How, how did all that happen? Yeah, so 2016 was like the year of learning, I would say. And that really started, ignited the fuel for me to like get deeper in the lifestyle and, and more connected to the community. Because that's obviously an amazing community you get to meet at Woodstock. So it was like throughout the year, I heard about the Austin Fruit Fest that um, Brittany and Connor put on in Texas. And uh, it was in the back of my mind, but then it was actually in the front of my mind. (laughs) Nonstop, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was thinking about a different event at that time. 
and I, I made it to the Austin Fruit Fest and that's where I connected because it was way smaller. Like Woodstock Fruit Fest is hundreds of people, 500 or so people. Austin Fruit Fest was a handful of people. We were like 20 people or 30. Yeah. And um, it was more like, a, you know, like bring your own fruit, meet at different places as opposed to just being in one camp together all week. But because it was so small, we really connected deep. And I felt like I found my tribe. Like these were my brothers and sisters, my spiritual brothers and sisters. And I had this amazing like spiritual transformation during ecstatic dance. That's a deep, another deep story. But I took some, uh, I was like, no, I'm not smoking ganja. That's one of the things I would do in life. And I, t- I was with the Airbnb host and she's like, she offered me. I'm like, no, I'm not smoking. I'm like no smoke in my lungs. I'm at this fruit fest. She's like, oh, well, I actually have this oil. <laughs> it's like coconut butter ganja ganja thing. And I took some, went to ecstatic dance. And I think I took too much. And I had this spiritual experience, like similar to people talking about ayahuasca and stuff. And like halfway through the dance, it kicked in and we did this med- group meditation and we like breathed in a breath together and became one. And I kind of like, they went back to dance. I stayed in that meditation for an hour and I like, I felt some amazing experience, crazy. Uh, it was intense, like crazy mm-hmm. emotions of like, um, I, I cried and I felt like, oh, this is my family. Like I could finally be myself and they're accepting me. And I just cried all these tears and all this mucus was coming out. And I felt like I was releasing all this tension. You know how I said my sinuses are plugged? Yeah. I felt like it was all releasing in that moment. It was wow. a moment. And I was just feeling like, um, like I would be subconscious for it. There's like four different emotions. I was subconscious that people are watching. And I was like laughing because I realized it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think. I could finally be myself. I'm free. And I was just laughing at myself. And then I would like cry because of how beautiful beautiful it was i forget the order and then uh and then at the end i just felt like this peace this perfect peace and i was sitting stillness i felt like everything's accomplished then i would go through the cycles again but when i felt the peace that's when i cried Mm. because it was so beautiful i was just like why don't why isn't it always like this and then yeah so it was triggered with that tribe like this community is deeper it's deeper than than the fruit just to say like i have a spiritual connection with this lifestyle so I think that story was just to give you that. Awesome, concept. yeah. Yeah, I think that a lot of people maybe have had that experience of like coming to these events and these festivals and feeling like they can kind of uh, recreate themselves and like become a different person and they're sort of around mostly people they've never met before and they get a lot of support. Like a lot of people at these festivals are really supportive and encouraging Definitely. and positive and, and yeah, it helps, it helps bring out that I did that for me as well. Like it helps bring out uh, a better, like a good part of people. I think. Yeah, like it helps bring the best of you out. Yeah, and like like sometimes you don't know this person at all, and you're just like family right away, just from meeting. Yeah, there's so many great connections that happen at these events, right? Mm-hmm. So that was yeah, amazing connection with these people, and then we fast forward to Woodstock 2017, a year later. So the Austin Fruit Fest was maybe in between those two festivals. And I'm like volunteering at the festival this time, as opposed to just being an attendee. Mm-hmm. And I'm volunteering with a lot of these people that I met in Austin. So it's just like reconnecting with my tribe. And this time we're making the Fruit Festival happen. We're behind the scenes. And it's a whole nother level of incredible experience. Like you're part of the festival as opposed to just an attendee. So from 2017 onwards, it's a whole different vibe. 2016, I was like, looking around shy I was new learning 2017 I was like I was kind of like someone people were looking up to and learning yeah. from you know? and then 2018 to 2019 every year was just like I felt like my vibration was just higher and mm-hmm. higher mm-hmm. just yeah, like more s- in tune with the lifestyle more open more being yeah. myself you seem really comfortable there and um what 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 do you you see do you prefer being a volunteer to uh, an attendee or, or do you think it's just different or what's your opinion um i think i prefer to be a volunteer just mm-hmm. because you get to come a little bit earlier and you get to stay a little longer and you really like it's really like a bonding experience with the volu- other volunteers sometimes yeah. i felt bad i felt like oh, are we excluding like the regular attendees because we're so like um bonding together but, but I think everyone just has their own amazing experience, you know, because attendees bond with themselves too. 
but I don't know. Sometimes I think if I had enough money, I would maybe try again to be an attendee so I could just relax the whole time. Because being a volunteer, you actually have to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually hard work sometimes, you know. I was on yeah. the sugar, I was on the produce team, and the produce team is like making sure the food and everything is there, you know, and that properly available. Yeah. Like the kitchen works hard because they're preparing it, but the produce has to make sure we take it off the truck, put it in different rooms make sure everything's in order like so the ripe stuff comes gets used first so it's like a lot of work and then the sugarcane team i did the, the last year and it's also a lot of work because that sugarcane is pretty heavy and you gotta yeah. push it through the machine lift these things and yeah but it's fun i love i love that kind of work yeah it's just like you gotta wake up and go to work and then you have to you know when you're an attendee you don't have to worry you just like yeah. do whatever you want and you went to the canada fruit fest as well yeah yeah i went with you man yeah what was what, what was the what was the difference or was it kind of similar uh the difference obviously a lot of similarities because it brings the community together um what was different was that one thing it's smaller and um uh, another thing is yeah because it was smaller maybe there was not as many activities but there's still like cool activities and i really liked it because i like that small vibe connecting with people so i also really bonded with people there sure and um what else the there was something i was going to say <laughs> right now i'm just thinking of that storm yeah the storm came. yeah right so tell tell the story about that the storm with all the the tents blowing away <laughs> I remember you, you talked about it a couple of times, I think, online, and you really enjoyed that, that memory. I was on stage. I was on stage because there was a musical stage. That's what was really cool. It was different. It was like a half music festival, half fruit festival. Right, right. We were like, we got to protect the equipment. Everything's blowing all over the place. And I'm like holding up this like tarp thing to protect the people who are picking up the equipment to put it away. And I remember just like so much force from the wind. It just like... <laughs> And I remember just like laughing the whole time. Like, this is so funny. I was with other people holding this tarp. Like, it's a fun experience, but it's also dramatic. Like, I'm sure people had to find their tent in the lake and stuff. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Really mine didn't happen, but yeah, it was. Yeah, because it was so unexpected. Like, the, the weather there had been so good. And I'd been in, uh, it was in the Okanagan near Kelowna in Canada. And, um, the weather was so good for weeks and weeks and weeks. It was perfect. Like the weather was absolutely perfect. And the main worry was the worry was actually that there might be a forest fire because it was so dry. You're right. Yeah, it was and, kind of smoky and, in the air. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was so hot. So when we got to the festival, like it just seemed that it would continue like that. And the first day was great, but I don't know if it was the second or third day. Just out of the blue, this huge storm and it only lasted like maybe two hours maybe an hour but yeah, it was like it was just an hour yeah like an hour and it was just absolutely like this like the the, the sky like the heavens opened up and it was just the biggest <laughs> storm and like the you're saying hour. yeah and like you're saying like the guys who had the, all the equipment on the music stage they like all of a sudden they realized all this rain was going to happen so they ran around they tried to get this big tarp and I was there as well, trying to hold that. You're tarp holding up. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was me, there. You, you were there. Adele, uh, uh, Mick. Is it Mick? Mick was around. Yeah. Yeah. So we were all holding up that that thing, and we were all getting absolutely soaked because like the water was all. I think it was you. I remember just laughing your ass off. <laughs> we were just laughing your ass off. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. I thought it was pretty funny, and it's the like, only way to deal with it. And. Um, and then, like, the storm broke, right? It stopped. And we were all walking, like, soaked, walking back, laughing. And But what happened is the storm blew all the smoke, like, over the sky. And the next, that day and the next day, it was really cold. Like, the, it was just, like, really, the sky was just filled with, like, smoke. And, yeah, people's, like, tents were blowing away. People's tents were flooded. Like, people had to leave. Um, people had to leave yeah some people had to leave because their tents got flooded and stuff and some people had like there was someone that had like a watermelon inflatable like they had a watermelon boat or something like an inflatable thing and it was just like blown like miles away <laughs> <laughs> wow 
it was yeah, yeah it was totally crazy and um yes yeah, so that's unexpected. difference that's definitely a difference is because woodstock has all these cabins and all these buildings and definitely places to hide where canada fruit fest is all out in the open so we're kind of yeah. like screwed in that moment but it's Not funny because it. coming up to it when i was speaking to ted about it i was like um you know do we really need to have because he was just saying oh it's so hot there because i was saying can we do some of the activities outside because we were looking for more space for doing things He's like, oh no, it's, it's going to be so hot. It's going to be so hot the whole time. It's going to be so dry. We can't be, we can't just sit out in the sun. It's too much. Uh, so it was, it was funny, man. But apparently, like the weather's never been like that in that area for like hundreds of years or something. Like it's so rare for that to happen. Um, yeah, cool. Um, so I also bumped into you in Florida. And there was a talk with Robert Morse going on, Dr. Robert Morse. So I'm, I, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I gotta say, I, I'm not the biggest fan. Like I've not watched a, a ton of his stuff, but uh, I think yeah, you. I think you asked him some questions too, trying to kind of like uh, provoke him. <laughs> well, I was. Well, he, he he gave me a good talk, and then I was like, the question I asked was, I just asked him like, what, how do you eat? Like, what do you eat, and where do you get? That's your what food? you asked. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't. He said he had like fruit for breakfast. He said he had salad for lunch, but he didn't really like give a lot of detail. And then, um, and Indian food sometimes talked about Indian food. Someone mentioned about barbecue. <laughs> Someone mentioned about barbecues, and he was like, "Oh, I have, I have my barbie problems sometimes, or something like that." Um, but yeah, uh, his but the talk was great. Like he he mostly talked about fruit. I do remember he came up to you. We were talking to him at the end, and he said something about like, uh, "Oh, you need to take the upper circulation or something like that, like the herbs." Hair back. What's that? I told him I want to grow my hair back, or he just mentioned it maybe. Yeah, he said he's like, to, my head. "Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, you need to take the upper circulation or something." Yeah, he's like, "If I were you, I would just live off the upper circulation." <laughs> just, I I've taken that one. But yeah, he would recommend taking a lot. But yeah, so sure, sure. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess you've trained through him with the detoxification specialist. So what's your what's your connection with him, and what's your feeling with like his uh, his uh, methods and teachings? Mm, I think he seems to be one of those people that some people hate him, some people love him. But what I love about Dr. Robert Morse, because like you said. He, in your answer, he was kind of like even laughing a bit about Indian food or barbecue. I think he really just has like this playful approach to life. He doesn't take it too serious. He's just, I think he's had a fun spiritual experience and like just to like play with it. So he has a playful approach. Yeah. But his methods are pretty like strict in a way. But I think it's also like, the way that people get caught up in his methods could be really strict, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I don't know. I really love Dr. Robert Morris. I really vibe with him. But, uh, yeah, I understand how there's different views and stuff. I feel like a lot of people are, like, kind of, like, almost worship him, like, followers that are, like, all about him. And I understand as well because a lot of them have healed themselves through, his, through learning from him and his protocols and stuff. So if you're like dying or sick and then you get healed and someone helps you, like it makes sense that they'll worship him. I, I'm not that type of person. I'm just like, I'm learning from him. I'm learning from John Rose. I'm yeah, learning yeah, from yeah. Corona. I'm learning from everyone. And I don't feel like there's one person that's just like, oh, this is the master, you know? I'm just like, I'll take what resonates from this person yeah. and from that person. And if it doesn't resonate, I'll leave it behind. Or I'll try it. And if it doesn't resonate, I'll leave it behind. I'm yeah, that kind I, of person. I, I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed the talk. Like, and I could just see how the crowd was so into what he was saying and he was really uh, passionate. And he just talked about fruit. Like, he never mentioned anything about herbs or anything during that talk, you know. And um, mm. we talked to him a little bit at the end. He was, he was nice to us. And uh, um, I think that what, what I'm interested about with him is, like, um, I think that his message is, like, for healing, you know, and I, my, 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 what I've always wondered is like, he seems to help people with when they're trying to heal. 
but I don't know if he talks about so much like a lifestyle, like how to continue doing it, or I think he's not that bothered about like whether people should do it as a lifestyle or not in a way, like he's sort of like, you know, yeah, fruit's the best, but at the same time, like you're kind of saying, like, I think that uh, sometimes I wonder if people like the way it puts it across because it's a very spiritual vibe, right? And it's very much like, yeah, fruit's the best and everything. And at the same time, we're all having a spiritual experience and really it's not that important at the end of the day. And, and a lot of people like that message, you know, I, I guess. Um, the latter message of the spiritual... Yeah, the spirit, like, almost like... Too but it's almost like gives people a little bit of an excuse like oh yeah it's just it's a spiritual experience so it doesn't doesn't matter but it's like for people that are sick um yeah it does it matters to be to do your best if you want to continue to stay alive and like but the know, people who are some like um intense protocols or like protocols to like stick to them he'll recommend like just going on grapes or grapes yeah yeah or just yeah. going on melons yeah yeah for sure them. for sure i've never i mean i always like the idea of like the body i don't know exactly how you put it across but a lot of people that i've met that seem to uh have listened to his stuff like they feel it's almost like fruit does this or this kind of fruit does that this other kind of fruit does a different thing and i my whole feeling is more like the doug graham school of like it's the body that does the healing and healthiest food but it's also because it's not animal products it's not cooked food it's not all these unhealthy foods so um yeah but anyway uh yeah that's cool mm. and you also have you learned a lot from john rose i think you i think we've talked about you being in touch with him and like um you got into the juicing quite a lot and you mm. you actually you've experimented with like a lot of interesting juices like a <laughs> Like you've drank things like corn juice and stuff like that. <laughs> you follow me? Eh? Yeah, yeah. I follow, I, I've watched your stuff. <laughs> I call it corn milk. Corn milk. So John Roses, you got a bit of a connection with him as well. Yeah, he actually guided me on my three month juice phase. So I did ninety one days of juice, and I was coaching with him. If I wasn't, if he wasn't coaching me, I probably wouldn't have lasted that long it's just so much easier when someone's just like to, someone to check in with regularly throughout yeah. the week uh, so yeah so yeah he coached me so i i watched his video one time and i was just like wow this guy's like really fit for an old man you know and it stuck out but i didn't subscribe or anything i just let it pass and then fully raw christina interviewed him like this is the dude that got me into raw foods and it changed my life and I'm like, I saw the rose. And then I subscribed. And that's when I started watching. That's when I really got into him. And that was just after Woodstock 2016. So I told you I was still like an amateur. And I was just like, oh, why can't I stick to raw? I try to do raw, but I keep like falling off with like, it'll start with like just like a muffin at the coffee shop. Or... Yeah. And then uh, I realized listening to John Rose, I'm like, oh, juice feasting is something I could do to go to the next level. As opposed to just trying to eat a raw diet. Yeah. You know, like Dr. Graham and everyone recommends, just eat a raw diet. So I'm like, I'm going to try this juicing thing. So then uh, I got into juicing. I would try to do a juice piece. I would fall off after three days. I was like on and off. And then, um, yeah, I called him up. And I was just like, like I'm interested in your guidance. And uh, I decided it was mid-December. I was just like, I, I seem to be struggling, like doing just juice. And then I would eat, cook food. And I decided myself, and he said it was a good idea to just drink juice I, I came up with this diet actually it's called juice to fruit you know like raw till four <laughs> juice to fruit where you just drink juice all day and then you eat fruit at night and I did this diet for the last couple of weeks of December and it was actually really cool really cool diet really like um, cleansed a lot and I would just basically drink juice all day but if I wanted to eat I would eat fruit so that way I'm not eating cooked food or anything and um, sometimes I would have it for lunch fruit but usually just for dinner I had a durian on the 31st to celebrate the new year and then on the first, I was like, I'm ready to start this juice feed. Um, yeah, yeah, nice. And I did yeah. it for, for three months. And I felt like that juice feast really connected me to nature. I didn't have that experience that a lot of YouTubers are like, I just felt amazing the whole time. It was like ups and downs. Yeah. But I was just like maybe getting like lighter and lighter. And like, for example, I'll play soccer with my buddies, football, we call them in Europe. Yeah, yeah. My buddies every week. And I just 
like um, I was sweatless and I would be faster and like lighter and they were complimenting how I was getting better. So I did feel like lots of physical improvements in my body. Yeah, yeah. But it was like an up and down journey and I was still using ganja smoke. That was my one vice, my one weakness. So I felt like I, like sometimes in hindsight, I'm like, I probably could have did so much more healing if I didn't put smoke in my lungs, which is like an organ of elimination, you know? Let me, let me ask you about that. Weakness. Yeah, I feel like there's, it's funny, like I feel like there's people in the raw vegan scene that do juicing, detoxification, uh, raw food diet and everything. And they will still be experimenting with different drugs and things like whether that's, and it's usually probably the plants. Drugs. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like mushrooms, uh, marijuana. Get like higher and higher experiences. Yeah. And it's almost like they think if they, it'll be a stronger experience or something if they do it because there's people at Woodstock uh-huh. who want to go out into the woods and take mushrooms and stuff like that um yeah, but what yeah. was what, what I, don't, you... I wouldn't say my experience was that I just feel like I grew up with weed as it being like a normal part of my lifestyle and now here yeah. I am I stopped alcohol I stopped coffee and I stopped all cooked and solid foods and I, like this was the one vice left that would like keep me grounded in a way like I felt like I was disconnected my mom was not really understanding what I doing i was living with her i felt disconnected from my people and yeah. i would just like feel more connected with nature and i'll go into nature and like have a couple puffs just like i don't know for sanity <laughs> i don't I feel will... like it brought, brought me up brought me yeah. a higher experience yeah. and did you did you start to see there was a downside to it later on that made you give it up or was it just the fact that you knew it probably wasn't the best thing for you smoking yeah Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I, that's been my weakness for a long time. I, I only literally have given it up when I came to Spain just over a year ago. Because in Canada, it's legal now. And in Canada, sometimes I'm not happy with my situation. Like, I'm living in my mom's one bedroom, and I'm, like, not living my purpose. And then it was just, like, a, a soulless nighttime to go on the balcony, and, you know. But then I came to Spain and I let go of it. I'm like, I'm alone. I don't have the temptation. I don't have that social aspect. Like I'm not known for it. And I just, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not, I haven't been thinking about it. So I haven't really been touching it, except in Poland with my cousins at a party. I'm like, all right, I had a little bit, but it's not on my, it's not on my vibe anymore. And I'm so thankful. Like, I'm so happy. I've been dreaming to like give my lungs a break, give my brain a break from being like stimulated yeah. from that. So That's it feels really, cool. really nice to have like a more clear energy and not be dependent on awesome. um, weed or alcohol. Especially talk- now I'm in Spain, I'm like not drinking alcohol or nothing. Oh, that's great. But I'm not, I'm not like if I have some with someone socially, I'm not, I'm not strict, stressed or worried about it. But on myself, I'm just like I don't buy it. I don't. Yeah. I'm not tempted by it. I'm not even tempted by cooked food now. But I'll have it if I go out with someone. But I'm my house is raw. My, my journey has changed a lot, evolved a lot this past year. And I'm really passionate about the things you're talking about, how some people will go on like um, juice feasting or do like detoxing. And I feel like your, your perspective is kind of like people go too far with it, if I'm right. Well, I think that, uh, let me think. I mean, the, I've seen a few friends that have done long-term juice feasts and stuff, but they weren't eating enough. They weren't consuming enough. So they were like, losing a lot of weight and they were Mm kind of getting depressed cold you know and they got really skinny especially guys you know women quite like getting really skinny but when a guys get really skinny they start to feel like weak they're like oh i'm small women aren't looking at them as much or whatever it is i don't know what it is Um, and it's worse when your family's commenting on it too sure saying that you're skinny the family their friends maybe they're doing sports and they're not doing as well or whatever and they can jump back to like want to eat meat again and all this stuff um but the, the i don't yeah, think yeah. the juice i don't think the juicing is that bad like i don't i'm not worried about juicing like and um i think that the problem is more the deep like people when people have this cleansing mentality and they can go like with a lot of things people can go into the extremes of it where they're just like continually trying to cleanse continually trying to detox continually want to do another fast and it's like you know, once yeah. you've once you've done it, if you want to do it to like introduce yourself into raw foods, or you want to you want to try and break some cycles, then then it works for people. And then at that point, they should they should go on to like creating a lifestyle for themselves that they really enjoy. 
um, hopefully including raw foods, you know, mm. but like, I think that anything, there's a, I think there's a lot of people that go towards extremes in the raw vegan scene and it can be with anything. It can be with fasting. It can be with uh, detoxing. It can be with uh, supplements. It, you know, there's, there's people that go towards these extremes. And I think that, I just think the thing is to focus on creating a lifestyle. Like, a, like you talk about sustainable, sustainable, <laughs> sustainable development. Like I just think sustainable. Like what, what do I want to do long-term? And yeah, yeah, yeah. if a person doesn't want to live on juice forever, then they, you can't make that the long-term goal. Like then what you need to do is think about what is the diet, the lifestyle, the practices, the daily habits that you, that you're happy to create for yourself. And um, I, I guess that's, that's where I come from. I don't think, I don't think a juice diet is dangerous. Do you know what I mean? I don't think it's, it's, it's a dangerous thing unless a person's like, doesn't know what they're doing isn't consuming enough like mm. um starts to under eat and you know that that could be negative um yeah. but it's weird but i've just i've seen a few people do this bounce back from doing 90 day or long-term juice fasting and then and i feel like they were just doing it for weight loss or healing their like um well, that's the other thing. Like some people do it because of their digestive issues, right? So when they take the fiber out of the of the juice, they can they they can digest better. But if it takes a long time for people to heal their 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 uh, their, their uh, digestive system, and when they go back to eat and cook food again, they just feel the same problems happening and they can just get really frustrated by that because they've tried so hard like with a long-term juice fast or something and it, it doesn't you know doesn't just heal everything you know and even in that period of time uh, i have a lot of thoughts on this yeah man i'd like to hear more of your thoughts and feedback I, I feel like like even 90 days is like actually quite a short period of time like for healing to happen and detox and all this like mm -hmm. people don't realize that if this is the first thing they've done like you can't expect everything to clear up in 90 days like sometimes it'll take a couple of years you know what i mean yeah yeah i think a lot of people just like really want to hear something so bad so they think they'll just do it in one in one go and that's why when you mentioned that some people just end up doing a cleansing lifestyle all they want to do is cleanse all they want to do is detox and they kind of get lost in it and yeah, I'd love to speak on this because I feel like I was definitely had that feeling as well. Like I just want to, I thought if I just keep cleansing and I'm like, I, I cleanse 90 days and I still don't feel like amazing as I would like. I just got to cleanse more. And I, I thought you just have to keep cleansing, cleansing, cleansing. So lately, I, this past year, I've definitely changed my approach or even longer than that. I've been thinking about more sustainable approach and I've been thinking about changing my name to instead of sustainable Cuba to like sustainably raw or something. Cause I think it's so important because like you mentioned, people go back to cook foods, people go back to animal products. And a lot of these people were doing heavy detoxes and fasting yeah. and restricting and forcing themselves to not eat and all this stuff. So I think this is a very important thing to address. And unfortunately I, th I think there's a lot of fighting in the community. Like people yeah. are like, you have to detox and then people are like, no detox is bad. And then it's just like a clash. Like, can we just like meet somewhere in the middle? And you mentioned Robert Morris talks about detox, but doesn't really talk about a sustainable plan. But he actually does mention the importance of regenerative detox. So I think people don't, people stress the detox, they forget about the regeneration, which is so important. Like, what's the point of detox if you're not regenerating the body? Yeah. Like, say, if you're rebuilding a house and you got to like start from scratch, you're going to renovate it, you're going to take out all the old debris. But now you got to build a new house. You're not just going to keep cleaning the old house and then you're going to live in this empty house and no, no things to protect you from the elements. You just like keep trying to clean, keep trying to clean. You got to like rebuild. You got to regenerate your body. You got to let it get nourishment again, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, so that's why nowadays my approach is to do short cleanses because a cleanse is always nice, a short cleanse, but then you can, like you said focus on having a sustainable lifestyle a sustainable diet so like 
after you do a short cleanse, rebuild with the highest quality foods. Don't just yeah. cleanse and cleanse and cleanse and cleanse and then go back to the old yeah. food because this diet's not working or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I, mean, I really I... like Lou Corona is a big proponent of this. And he's one of the people I look up to. Yeah. He yeah. talks about cleansing and rebuilding. And I don't even know if he does cleanses nowadays because he's really big on building and like nourishment, but he did a lot of cleanses earlier in his days, you know? Yeah, I mean, I um, I like the Doug, I, I remember Doug Rain talking about people would ask him, uh, do you fast like every year or whatever? And he said that he fasted like years ago. He did a long fast, but he's never done a fast ever since. And they'd asked him why. And he said, I try and live in such a way that means I don't require to fast. And I thought that that was really, that was really interesting to me. So I always thought like, trying to create a lifestyle where you don't feel like you have to be doing fasts and uh, cleanses so much, but that you try and stick consistently to a, a healthier diet and stuff. And, um, and, 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 and yeah, I, I think that, I think that the, the, I like to think the detox kind of happens as long as you live pretty much healthy. I, I've never, I think I would like to do a fast at one point, um, but I'm not too sort of obsessed with it at the moment. And um, I, I, I definitely think everyone can benefit from that and everyone can benefit from things. But there's, the, the way that I put a lot of my information across is I'm always thinking of like, it's like if you promote fasting, you say, oh yeah, fasting is great, fasting is excellent for people. But there's some people that take that message and they go and try and do a 40 day juice fast in the woods somewhere with like no one else around. And it's like yeah. it, people can do some really dangerous stuff, and uh, so you so, some, so even though I think for many people they can do it responsibly, like you still have to say sometimes like you know make sure you're doing it under supervision because there's some people that will do these crazy things. And, yeah, I um, think supervision is so important when you're doing a yeah. longer fast. And 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 the the negative side of the detox lifestyle is, is where people get into this like psychosis of like I'm not clean enough, like you were saying, like. They just get so obsessed with cleansing and, you know, and I, 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 I still, I stayed away from doing even like the mono fruit islands and stuff like that. I stayed away from doing that mostly because I didn't, I felt like that was leading people towards these real extremes that, that didn't work for them. And, um, but then mango I actually, Island, I remember your mango yeah, but, Island. Then, but then I actually did mango Island and it was like my favorite thing ever. But at the yeah. same time, it came from me having a background of like knowing how to eat enough and understanding my body, understanding hunger, like having a good and having a background of being a raw vegan for so long that I didn't have some of the detox symptoms that people went through. Like if I just jumped off caffeine mm -hmm. or just jumped off alcohol or just jumped off um, high sugar diet or something like so it was, it was plain sailing for me, and it was really cool. I really liked it. At the same time, I, I was saw, worried. I saw how much you like. Yeah, I loved it. It was so simple. It was so simple, and it was just so, like, uh, so easy. Like, you just get up, you go and buy your 13, 14 mangoes, and, and that's it. <laughs> and every day, you're just – and I would eat the same type of mango as well. It wasn't even like I had wow. 12 – yeah, I would just go and get the same one. I was like, okay, this one, this is my favorite. And I just got that every day. And that's my ask, mentality. Yeah. You, you didn't force yourself. You just kind of naturally did it. Even that one mango, you weren't like, oh, I can only eat one mango. I'm not allowed to have others. You just kind of chose that naturally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I right? yeah, it, it happened naturally because I was in Thailand. And I was, um, I was actually on a little bit of a weight loss journey because I put on some weight. I, I went back to eating food a couple of years before that and I'd eaten a lot of like high fat food for a while and just wasn't doing my diet very well and put on weight and then when I went back to eating fruit and, and raw vegan I kind of like lost a little bit of weight but I kept a lot of it on which is quite good because it meant like okay I can sustain like a raw vegan diet without having to eat a lot of fat or whatever but um I uh I just got to this point where I'm like, okay, I think I should lose some of the weight now. So started to cut back a little bit of what I was eating. Then I went over to Thailand with uh, my ex-girlfriend and we were like going to some of the raw gourmet restaurants there and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to keep eating this stuff. I want to stay 
I want to keep uh, losing some weight and everything. So she said, how about we do three days of mangoes? And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'll enjoy that. But I thought like, okay, it kind of makes sense. Let's try that. Um, so did the first day, got through it, uh, second day. By the third day, I was like, I quite like this. I think I'm just going to keep going and see how long I feel. So she, ju- she, she jumped off it, but I just stayed on it. And I was like, every day I was just got to like a week. And I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. Got to two weeks. I'm like, it's going to keep going. Um, got to a month. And then I'm like, oh, this is, I'm just going to keep going on this. Because I didn't feel any negative at all. Didn't feel any negative. I was like, this is that's awesome. so good. And the mangoes are right there. And... And I got really uh, productive and creative as well because I had I had this energy that sometimes I would put into making a salad or something or whatever it was, and I just put it into like write. I wrote a book, and I was doing all this stuff, and it was just like it was awesome. And I I I I want to do some fruit islands again for sure. That's amazing. I like having, I've, I've got an um, idea that I want to do like a year just eating bananas. For real? Yeah, yeah. But, and I'm choosing bananas because they're like the least, like, I don't know, the, the kind of least stimulating fruit. I feel like they're the most like, uh, uh, like common, boring fruit or something. And I and like it's that also idea. like the easiest to, to keep um, ripe, to yeah. have, make sure like to have enough ripe fruit all year round yeah so I, I might do that next year or something i'll do like a year on it's kind of too boring i think if you're doing cavendish yeah but that's why that but that's kind of my personality as well it's like okay i'm gonna go to the most boring <laughs> like just because i like to see mm. how much more how much more will you if your food is like super boring does that force you to like make your life even more exciting outside that's what I'm interested in, you know. Makes sense. Hmm. See, from my perspective, I feel like a mono island it needs to taste amazing. And <laughs> I can do a banana island for sure with Gros Michel bananas. That's my favorite right, bananas. Right. They look like Cavendish, but they're like a little, little more narrow and longer. Gros Michel, I had them in Miami. They're from Miami fruit. Like, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Good. And could, yeah, I remember I remember hanging out with you and you just getting like lettuce and tomato for your dinner. So you're you're a really boring, simple guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's called the, that, yeah, that's the Ronnie salad. That's my that's the salad that I invented, just the tomatoes and lettuce. I would eat that as my salad for like many, many months. Like that was all I had is and people would be like, Do you not have a dressing? And I'm like, no, this just this is it. Because <laughs> I like the juice of the tomato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you like. You talk, we talked about the corn milk. I was so fascinated by that recipe, right? So did you invent mm. corn, corn milk? Because I never heard anyone juicing corn and drinking I hope, that. I hope so. I've never heard of it either. <laughs> Sometimes I make something and I'm like, I wonder if this exists. <laughs> yeah. Because I like to do, I like to use my intuition in the kitchen. Like I, that's the problem. I don't have many recipes. because I don't sit down and write recipes or think of it. I'm kind of like, what ingredients do I have? What can I make with it? Yeah, but I'm not like some pro chef either. I just throw things in a bowl and yeah, 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 salad, you know. But the corn milk happened after Woodstock. I came back home with some friends. I brought them to Canada uh, from from the festival. They're really cool people, and they were eating all this corn. Like they brought so much corn. There was all this leftover corn from the festival, and they were just yeah. so into the corn. And I had it a bit in my salads, but I was still at that point. I was still like, um, I didn't like to have too much things that are hard to digest. Yeah, yeah. just fruit and salads were like fruit based salads like tomato and cucumber and i was just like i don't feel like eating this corn but like i i like the taste of corn and i would like you know like you cut it with a knife yeah yeah to, to peel it off sometimes put it into your salad and i just did that and i just thought i'm gonna try blending it and juicing it so that i don't have to digest this corn because i'm such a big juice man because it's so simple and like <laughs> and i tried it and it was just so amazing it was, it was like milky i was like this is corn milk it's freaking amazing <laughs> i haven't made that since i gotta make it again is it like savory? When, when, when corn is in season is it savory or uh, sweet no, or what? i wouldn't it's sweet it's sweet and and like milky creamy 
I wouldn't call it savory. That's so why you, I categorize it in the milk category, not not corn juice, corn milk. Do you just throw it straight yeah. into the juicer, or do you did you say you blend it first? No, I blended it and strained it, just like I would do with like nut and seed milk. Oh wow, that's awesome! I need to try yeah, that yeah, myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've I've made durian juice. Durian juice. Not, I'm probably I don't know if I'm the only one in the planet. I've made durian juice. I've juiced durian. So you once again you squeeze on day the bag. eighty of my juice feast to celebrate. Yeah, I, I peeled every pod, took off the flesh, I blended it with coconut water, and I strained it. And that's still today. It's still the best juice I've ever had in my life. Oh yeah, it like one durian made a, a tall glass. The only thing I could have made it better if I used real coconuts because I used canned coconut yeah, water, yeah. which I still like permitted in those days. But it would have taken it up another notch with real coconut water. Like do, you have, coconut. do you have any of these recipes that written down? Do you have a book or anything? I do have a book, but uh, I have a sample book that, do I give it for free? No, I don't give it for free. I should make a book to give for free. But I have a book in my cleanse guide course. I have a video course. So I do give a free cleanse cleansing program ebook, a three-day cleansing program ebook, and it does have recipes in there actually. So to get you started, so like like I told you, I'm more into short cleanses now. And uh, you mentioned you'd want to do like a three. Oh no, you you set off for three-day mango, right? I think yeah. like that's a good period that anyone can do, like yeah. the, the human mind who likes to plan these kind of things. Sure. As opposed to like planning a ninety-day. But the longer ones, I think, has to be natural. Like your mango island, it just happened naturally. Happened, yeah. So if you start with a short cleanse and you, you naturally want to keep going, I think it's different than yeah. uh, forcing that. So I got this three-day book that has recipes. And if, if you want, you have the option to buy a cleanse guide, which is like a video course program. And then it has all these um, eBooks and stuff, like my different cleansing methods and stuff. And one of them is a recipe book with about 40, 40 juice recipes. And where can people find out about that? Um, so I have a link. I don't know if you want to link it below or what. Yeah, we'll put a link below, yeah. Yeah, I have a link to sign up for my free, free three-day cleansing program. And then when you sign up, you give your email and I send you the email. But once you submit, the, the sales page opens up. So that's how you can access that for the cleanse guide okay, cool. uh, course with yes. all the products. But I'm working on putting it on like a website where you can actually go directly to that too. You know? Awesome, awesome. But, that is just my name, yakubishek.com. I just, I, I, I think you should go by the name Kuba the Juice Man. I think that sounds cool. Kuba the Juice Man? That, oh, that's the thing. But then I'm like, I'm not, it's like Juice Feaster. You're like committed to juice, you know? Right, 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 right. Now I'm having huge salads every day and I love, I really have a sustainable diet right now. Yeah, but the original Juice Man, like he wasn't even okay. vegan. But I still make me? my juice every morning. Oh yeah, the Juice Man. Kuba the Juice Man. I'm actually in the process of trying to figure out a better name for my brand, for myself, as opposed to like sustainable. Cuba. I thought it was sustainably raw. A cool one. The cool ones I've heard so far, Coconut Cuba, Cuba the Juice Man. So if you have any um, feedback, ideas, suggestions, comment below, please. Yeah. I can call myself Cuba the Juice Man or something like that. There's a good ring to that. There's a good ring to that for sure. Cuba the Juice Man. Yeah. I like it because it's short and sweet too. Yeah. So, um, Awesome. Um, I, did awesome. Wanna, I did want to comment actually on uh, the thing we talked about how you naturally went on your mangoes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing in the community. Like I said, there's people like, no, juice fasting is bad. Like it's going to ruin you. It's like going to make you disordered eating. And then there's other people like, juice feasting is amazing. It's going to change your life. You're yeah. It's going to be incredibly like fit and healthy and you're able to stay raw. So there's this like polarization. But I think it's like, it depends on the person. Because if someone yeah. was on YouTube, like I tried to juice cleanse and felt amazing and like changed my life, like why not do it if they, if you feel good? But then yeah. someone else did a juice cleanse and felt horrible. All right, they're 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 saying like juice cleansing is bad. They tell people not to do it. Like all right, don't do it if you feel horrible. But if you feel good, why not do it? Like for sure, it's naturally happening and you feel good. And my best juice cleanses in my life were when I didn't plan it. So like there were times I would set out for a month or something. And I would go halfway and not make it or I would struggle. But then one time I was separated from my juicer for a month because I moved to Quebec, spontaneously got a job, stayed there. I was like, oh, my juicer's in Toronto, like a whole month without it. 
I went to Toronto, came back with my stuff. I had the first juice I made with my Green Star Elite. It was so good. I just wanted to keep drinking juice. And I went, I did a natural juice cleanse. It went for three weeks where I just naturally wanted to drink juice. I didn't plan it. It was the best juice I've done. It's the most fun I've had. And then I, and then I was like, all right, since I'm at 21 days, I'm going to push it one more week to make a month. And that was forced. And that was a rough yeah, last yeah. week. But I really enjoyed the time. I didn't plan and it just happened. Just like your mango island. You enjoyed it because you didn't plan it. It just naturally happened. Yeah, yeah. In nature, don't plan fasts and stuff. They fast when they're sick or they have to. Sure. They don't have to plan it. Only humans plan it. For sure. So I think um, this is a good thing you can plan because anyone could do it three days. But long term... It's got to either be natural, you got to have support, but you don't want to force yourself in this lifestyle. It's an so, enjoyable lifestyle. You know? Awesome. You abundance of living. <laughs> really cool, man. What's, what's your plans for the future? Like, what's, what's, what do you feel is next for you? Uh, so right now I'm actually working on a lot of stuff. So my plan is actually to grow my online business. So get more people like even finding out my product services that I offer. So I do want to start coaching more people. I've done a couple experiments. So yeah, definitely to do more coaching and helping people because people naturally reach out to me, but like, it's like family and friends. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah. I see what you're doing. Like, it's pretty cool. And now they're getting older and they're starting to feel more sick or tired and they want to start learning. So I teach them about adding a daily juicing habit or just adding more raw foods in their diet. And just helping people. So I see myself helping more people like that. And eventually, I really would love to host retreats. Because I'm a person kind of guy. I would love to just like hang out, some cool nature spot, make juices and fresh foods and eat fruit and do sports and activities for a few days with like a small group of people. That's definitely my vision. I would love to like organize some fruit fest and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fruit. cool. Toronto fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we should we definitely can, reach out to you when that's time. Yeah, we can make that happen. That'd be fun. Well, thank you, Jacob and uh, Kuba. And everyone go and follow Kuba at Jakub Mishiek or Sustainable Kuba on YouTube. And um, follow what he's doing. Check out his detox program. And what um, do you have any like final message for our, for our listeners and viewers today? A mm, final message? would be to for sure you should have fun when you're doing this lifestyle you want to have fun so whatever you're doing have fun with it you don't want to force yourself to be strict enjoy it and remember that we are a part of the earth so the living foods is just like the earth that we're consuming that our bodies are made up of so don't forget to connect with these elements that we're made up of the wind the fire from the mighty sun the living structured water and the earth element that's in our food grounding being in touch with the with nature so i'll leave you with that thank you very much kuba awesome message thanks to everyone for watching and listening check out kuba follow him and see what he's up to um let him know what you think would be a good name for him i like kuba the juice man but we'll we'll see how it goes (laughs) and uh yeah, go to fruitfest.co.uk and you can sign up for our newsletter to follow uh, the podcast. And thank you for uh, watching us. You can see us the podcast on YouTube if you're listening to it or if you're watching on YouTube and you want to listen, you can go to iTunes, Spotify, and on all the other podcast places pretty much you can find the Love Fruit Podcast. Thank you very much. Feel free to give us any feedback at info at fruitfest.co.uk if you've got any messages for us. And we'll see you in another episode of the Love Fruit Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ronnie.